All right, guys, welcome to the fifth episode yeah, of the Underdog Training Podcast for the week of June 12th, 2017. This week I have a guest on my podcast. He's an old friend of mine, guy that used to be my neighbor, uh, somebody I've known for over 20 years. And just to preface this, we talked about the Cleveland Cavaliers, and uh, the game we're talking about was game three. So um, I know game five is uh, tonight. Tonight is Today is Monday. So hopefully I can get this out in time. But Game 5 tonight, um, real quick, I'm going to recap on my own about Game 4. Let me tell you, man, Game 4 was something else. That was something else. The Cavaliers could not miss a shot. And I I couldn't have been any more happy, man. I was so happy to watch that game. Um, And they were just draining threes. I mean, it's, it was the complete opposite of what Game 3 was like, where they were taking a whole bunch of threes that they, they shouldn't have been taking, and uh, they were missing most of them. Game 4, man. They they made I think it was what twenty four threes, absolutely ridiculous. Um, so that was an onslaught. And I, I hope I hope they continue with tonight. Um, I'll be super happy if they win tonight and somehow pull this series out and end up winning the whole thing. But uh, I'm not gonna jinx it. So knock on wood there. But um, yeah. So my my friend's gonna be talking about his experience as having his his dad as his baseball coach and kind of what it's like to be uh you know the son of a coach. So. For that further ado, welcome to the podcast, everybody. All right, everybody, welcome to the fifth episode of the Underdog Training Podcast. Today, I am having a special guest for the first time. He actually is a, a very, very long friend of mine. We've known each other for 20-some years because he uh, used to be my neighbor, so we grew up together. His name is Alex Titus Gray. Um so yeah, we grew up together ever since I was literally like maybe two years old, two or three years old. Um, so we're gonna, what he's going to talk about is kind of piggybacking off of a little bit what I said in the last episode where I was talking about some of the pressures of coaching because he has a experience where his dad was his uh, baseball coach for a lot of years. And he's going to talk about kind of what goes along with that and what, what he felt as a kid growing up um, having his dad as the coach and kind of, you know, his life experiences of going through that and, you know, what it what kids these days have to go through because a lot of young kids have to deal with that and I think it's a little different situation when your parents the coach because it adds a lot of different pressures to uh to the kid as the athlete so um plus we're gonna just kind of shoot the shit a little bit I haven't seen him in a long time so uh Alex welcome to the podcast my thank friend thank you for having me you're very welcome you're very welcome so the first thing we need to talk about is those Cleveland Cavaliers oh Jesus from last night <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was... If anybody doesn't know, those are uh, some Bill Burr references. Um, we're a very big Bill Burr fan, so that's where that voice comes from. But, yeah, that was, uh, that was something else last night. I mean, that was a, that was a wild ride. <laughs> this, this guy, man, he was, he was making fun of me all last night because I was trying to talk about Kevin Durant. And... Uh, you know the kind of move that he made to going to Golden State. I wasn't the uh, the happiest of people, and then he does what he did last night and what he's been doing this entire series. Uh, but Alex happens to disagree with me on the fact that he's a he's a little girly man for going to the Warriors after they beat him in the playoffs last year. Yeah, you see, that's kind of inconsequential. <laughs> what matters is winning basketball games. He didn't feel welcomed in. Oklahoma City there was some hostility there probably with the organization as well as with other players and he felt like he was valued much more highly at Golden State it doesn't matter 
that Golden State beat them previously, what he wanted was a contract that he felt he was worth and go someplace where he thought he could win. I mean, you're not wrong there. You're not wrong. It just, it just, you get, you can't disagree that it looks bad. Yeah. You know, it definitely just, does look. It, looks it bad. does look bad, but I would argue that it doesn't look any worse than when Kevin Garnett went to the Boston Celtics with Ray Allen, Rondo, and Paul Pierce, or when LeBron James went to South Beach and they built their super team with Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade. Yeah, I mean, I guess the difference is the fact that the the you know the Warriors were already the best team in the league. That's what it, that's what it is to me, man. They were already really good, and then you add Kevin Durant, and as you can see, they're uh, pretty much unbeatable. I, I honestly, as much as it hates me to say, they're probably going to sweep the series. Um, yeah, I, I just, I just. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking yesterday if they won last night's game, then the sweep becomes. Um, I would say more likely. Well, obviously they had to win last night to for the win I mean, the sweep. You have to but I don't think about think that too. To Sixteen and zero game. in the playoffs. I, you know, I mean, I, I, I hope not. I really hope not. Because um, that's just a shame. But at the same time, it's kind of cool when you think about the fact that if they do win, they they went sixteen and zero in the playoffs, which is ridiculous. And I'm pretty sure it's never happened before. Um, yeah, it has never happened before. You know, but Cleveland could have won that game last night. They could have won that game, you know. And the, as much as I love LeBron, he did mess up, you know, and he he, he passed up a lot of good chances to drive to the basket uh, for perimeter shots, and they kept, especially in the third and fourth quarters, for some reason Cleveland was taking a shit ton of threes that they didn't need to take, and it was it was so infuriating. I just uh. Yeah, that's one thing. Um, Cleveland seems like they're more of a 90s-style basketball team where they need to drive to the basketball more or the basket more often, excuse me, as opposed to the Warriors yeah, where they can shoot threes for days. It was almost like they were trying to go shot for shot with the Warriors, which you can't do. That's that's an you know Absolutely. Kevin Love, like you were saying, he, what did you say? He makes like one out of every six that he was trying yeah, to make. Yeah, I, I said he <laughs> makes one after he misses six. He mi- <laughs> so it, it, yeah, it and then really you got a guy like Kyle Korver. Who was specifically supposed to make threes, and then he wasn't even making threes. Oh, it still pisses me off to see Kyle Korver and Andre Iguodala on these teams when they were on the Sixers, uh, you know, all those years ago, and nothing happened. It's just so it, annoying. It really is. I understand <laughs> that too. They were there at the end of Allen Iverson's Sixers career, yeah. and I, they were pretty bad then. I, well, I, Iguodala was a force even then. It's just that the rest of the team was right. bad, and Korver, I mean. He would what? He was there to shoot threes, and he could only do it about half the time. Yeah, nothing else. Right. <laughs> so I honestly forgot he was still in the league. Like he's been around for a while. But um, anyway, to get into the meat of the podcast, like I was talking about, um, you know, when we were growing up, like I was telling you a couple of days ago, I saw the 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 way that you acted when your dad was around. Man, it was a lot different back then. Yeah. I mean, what did you feel having him as your coach? What did that? How did that impact you? You know, for the first, like, uh, T-ball through rookies, you know, when I was five through seven years old, through eight years old, it it really helped having him as a coach because I was familiar with him, you know. And mm-hmm. that can help kids. The familiarity of the adult can help the kids. And then after that, when I started to break out as one of the better athletes in the league there, 
he expected more from me, even as a young child. Mm-hmm. And it would make things And that's got to make it hard. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, back then, I wouldn't be able to describe it, but it, I would be yeah. tense and nervous because I couldn't make a mistake without some kind of comment like, oh, yeah, that was a great job striking out or great job with the great job in the field or something like that. And it, it was just... Right, it's, it's, and it's even it's like little things under his breath that he may not think you hear, you know, that you do. And it's just like, you know, you're, you're the only person getting that response because that's your, you know, he's your dad, so he's going to expect more and it puts more pressure on you to, to perform. And I feel like even subconsciously you were you were doing that when even you weren't even playing the baseball, you know, at times. Absolutely. It, it really does have an effect on a child because they might not think that the child can hear them, but the children hear everything. They really do, and I wouldn't be surprised if the mm-hmm. children around me had heard also. And that puts you in an awkward position because what what happens is then you're not going to perform at your best because everything that you're going to be trying to do in the game is going to be so, um, what's the word, um, put under a microscope, I guess you could say. Um, so you, you you can't feel relaxed out in the field because everything you do is being looked at with this with this certain eye that nobody else is having to have to deal with. Right, and that's the feeling. It's like when we were when we've discussed Nelson Aguilar and his drop situation. <laughs> oh, when you're tense and you're under pressure, and most of the time the pressure is coming from yourself, you can't play to your potential and you start making mm-hmm. mistakes because you're tensed up all the time where you need to be relaxed and you never play better than when you're relaxed and having fun. Now, did you did you notice a difference once your dad stopped being your coach and then you didn't have to deal with that anymore? I actually did notice a difference. I believe it was when I was 11 years old, the head coach asked or told him that he couldn't coach with him because... I was too nervous and I was making mistakes and I wasn't playing as well as I could because he was making me nervous and it upset him. It really did upset him a lot because he wanted to be a part of it. did he understand it also at the same time? I think he was more pissed off than anything at the time. Like, I'm not sure. I I would assume he understands now that the pressure he was putting Mm -hmm. on me then was causing my mistakes because I played better. I was more relaxed. I was having more fun then. But right. I, I think more than anything, he was upset because he wanted to be a part of that with me. I guess that's a that's a good way to put it. You know, it, as much as like he wants to experience that with you, but at the same time, as nice as that sounds, without him even realizing it, he's do, he's putting this pressure on you that's making you not perform at your best, and that's a hard situation to kind of have to deal with. It definitely is. Um, I've said before that I'm not sure if I want to coach my kids when I have kids because I'm a perfectionist myself and, you know, playing baseball, everything came naturally to me and I put the work in and I was able to do these things that I would expect close to perfection as well. And that's an unrealistic perfection because even the pros aren't perfect. Exactly. You know, everybody makes mistakes and... um it's, it's hard because you want to be the best, but at the same time, there's these expectations that you have to, as an athlete, and even as a coach, realize that everything takes time, and you're never going to be 100% 
on at all times. You know, I think that's hard for people to kind of grasp every once in a while. That's true, and part of it is the competitive nature that my dad and I have. That we're very competitive. We hate losing more than we like to win, and trust me, we love to win. And, oh, yeah, man. I mean, even when we were playing like uh, cops and robbers and stuff when we were kids, that was uh, that was always a big deal. You know. You know, we went, when we were growing up, it was like the late late nineties. Even though that sounds old, it's really not that long ago. So, um, you know, we were always outside and doing things, and you don't see that anymore, unfortunately. Um, but literally, almost every day when it was nice out, we would be, uh, you know, running around and doing something, even if it was, even just like I said, running around playing cops and robbers in my backyard or uh, doing street hockey and stuff like that in the in the uh, in the in the neighborhood. We actually have a big. It's not big, but at the time it seemed like a pretty big hill. Then when there was a circle, and uh, the, I don't know how we didn't get killed or run over by a car, man, because we used to like lose or ride our skateboards down this thing, and uh, it was so dangerous. I don't know how we got away with it. <laughs> yeah, we would luge and we would skeleton down there head oh, first. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, we were playing soccer. We played kickball, cops and robbers, climbing trees, everything, hockey, like you said. Yeah. Uh, um, baseball, wiffle ball. I mean, you know, and it's it, funny. Like it. I, I'm sure you know. You know me, and you probably listened to a couple of the episodes. Like I tell people all the time that when even when I was a kid, nobody looked at me like I was different because of my CP and stuff. And that was probably like the biggest thing, especially at that age when we were doing that kind of stuff, because all the kids in our neighborhood were kind of the same age. Um, and I think I don't think anybody even noticed it back then. You know. Yeah, I mean, we had we next door, and then we had Randy down the circle, yeah. and it was kind of one of those things like you were a little bit different, but yeah, I mean, I mean do you, you were doing the did exact you same thing as everybody was, you know, else. Did you ever notice anything, or just like, oh, he kind of walks funny? Oh yeah, of course I noticed, and I didn't I didn't understand why I didn't know what was wrong, and you know, my mom told me that. I don't know what explanation she gave me. I don't remember. <laughs> probably not the real reason. Basically, probably <laughs> not. It was just something, you know, a three- or four-year-old could understand. And it was like, okay, that's good enough for me. And then you were just out there doing the same thing as everybody yeah. else. So I was figured, all right, then that's I mean, that's that was that's the same. I didn't even notice it. You know, I just knew I fell down a lot and I had really bad balance. That was, that was kind of it, you know? Yeah, I mean, nobody really notices until... They get older and yeah. they understand, and they know more. And even even still now, like some people will say some stuff to me about it, but I feel like it's once you once you get to know somebody like that, it kind of just fades away. You know, nobody really starts to see it anymore. Yeah, I, as you get older, it's people notice it and they try to be careful about yeah. it because yes. they don't want to. They don't want to be uh, hurt you know, somebody's feelings politically or correct or whatever it is nowadays. You know. Yeah, and they they don't have to be that sensitive. No. It's like when people are out at a restaurant or something, and they're going to describe somebody, and they look around, and then they whisper, <laughs> "Oh, that's a black person." Right. It's like right. you don't have to be quiet about it. It's it's okay. It's just the, the thing to me is like I would rather matter. you ask me about it than look at me like I have five heads. You know. <laughs> Right. And that happens a lot. Oh, yeah, of course. It happens a lot when I'm at, like, other gyms and uh, people that don't know me that well think I'm, like, injured or something or I'm not doing something right. I, I know I said it a little bit on the last episode, but um, it's just funny because people don't know how to react to it a lot, you know? 
Right, and I think some of that is probably out of concern for you. Like, they don't want you to get hurt also. Exactly. Yeah, that's it, exactly. And, and, then, and then they see me deadlift, like, 315, and they're like, oh, I guess he's fine. You know? <laughs> they're like, I'm going to walk away from this guy. He's out of his fucking mind, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, people generally have good intentions, but, you know, the road to hell is paved in good yeah, intentions. Yeah, man. Exactly. Oh, I got so, one of my... I mean, sometimes being overly cautious and overly careful is... It can do more damage to somebody than Exactly, good. and it's not like, what's up, Gordon? Um, you know, it's not like people are, are looking at it in a bad way. It just comes off like that sometimes. Of course. Um, yeah, but I, that, those were good times, man. It was so It's so different now. You don't see that kind of stuff anymore, unfortunately. You know, with people being outside and kids, you know, they say it's a different world, and it really is. Um, I don't know if it's a safety thing or if it's just nobody wants to do that kind of stuff anymore. I have no idea what it is. They try to tell you it's a safety thing, but the world is actually a lot more safe now than it was 20 years ago when we were growing up. Crime rates have gone down. You know, I believe homicide numbers have gone down. Um, but, you know, it's p- parents are outside get or out there getting arrested because their kids are playing in the front yard where the yeah. kids walk two blocks by themselves to go to uh, the I park remember or something. seeing something like that. It was a little while ago. Somebody. Their kid was out there, and they called the cops because there was no parents around. Like, what? I just... Dude, we would be outside, like, all day, and nobody would even think about it, you know? And it's not like we were far away. We were always in the neighborhood. Everyone knew at least where we were. Right, and we were in a group, and our parents could look out the window and see yeah. us. And, our pa- you know, all of our parents knew each other, so it's like, okay, we exactly, know who they right. are. We know who they're with. Exactly. It's just it's just a different world out there, man. It's so weird. It's and it's not like we're even that are old. A little paranoid. We're literally twenty six years old or whatever you are. What are you, twenty five, twenty four or something now? Twenty three. Yeah, close enough, whatever. <laughs> 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 you know. But yeah, I mean sorry, we went off on a little bit of a tangent there. Um but yeah, getting back to having your parents as a coach. I mean, like you were saying, you don't you don't want to put that pressure if you have kids on them because you know what it feels like, you know. And I, I feel like it's not all parents are like that, but maybe most of them, even if they don't realize it, they probably have those thoughts in their heads that they expect more out of their kids. And a lot of them don't realize that their kid's not going to be the next LeBron James. Um, you know, that's a very rare thing. That, but for some reason, there's this sense of entitlement that all, all you know, so many parents now want their kids to play all the time and be the best and it's kind of an unrealistic expectation absolutely it it doesn't matter it takes a special kind of parent to recognize that hey maybe this sport isn't for their child but then they have to talk to them and ask them are you having fun playing this sport do you maybe want to try something else something that you can excel at because we right we're are you okay with this? And then they have to be patient and they have to be patient with the coaches because, you know, people want to win and people are very serious about youth sports where, you know, they're not handing out scholarships or anything. They're not handing out thousand dollar prizes to the winners. They're getting a plastic trophy. It doesn't matter if it's the big plastic trophy or a small plastic trophy. Or the participation trophy, but that's a whole other conversation. I, uh, that's a <laughs> different conversation for a different day. Um, <laughs> so we could it, talk about that for I half mean, an hour itself, man. Please, uh, we really could. But it, you know, parents do have expectations of their kids, but they also have expectations on these coaches. They expect equality. 
and fairness and equality are not the same thing. A kid getting a kid who is not good playing the minimum requirement is fairness. Right. Yes. It is not equality. Them playing say half the game and then the good kid being limited to half the game is equality, mm-hmm. but that is not fair to the kid who is good and who excels right. at the sport. And then that could lead to them quitting the sport in the future, even though they could have a future out of it. They could get a college right. scholarship or something. And, you know, it's, it's different depending on the level, too. I think, you know, with, with real youth sports, like before before you get into high school, I think that's fine. But once you get into high school and if that keeps happening, then it starts to be a problem because then it's not going to set them up, A, for real-life expectations, you know. Um, but when it's when it's youth sports, yeah, everybody should get an equal chance because that's what it's there for. You're there to have fun. You're not there to really compete at a high level. So it's a little bit different. Um, but then you get the high school kids that you know to play all the time when you have kids that are that are really good and they're there specifically for that sport and uh, you know when they're not getting the time that they think they deserve then it starts to be a problem and uh, yeah it just gets to be a whole nother cluster bleep of issues you know what I'm saying <laughs> yeah absolutely but I don't I don't necessarily agree that a youth sports every kid should have equal playing time because you need to teach kids that, hey, sometimes there are people better than you and they're going to get preferential treatment because they're more qualified than you. That's an important lesson. That's a good point. Obviously, if we're talking if we're talking like five, six, seven-year-olds, then, yeah, equal playing time then makes more sense because you really don't right. know they haven't developed exactly. a skill set. Exactly. But then once you get to the older age group, you know, we're talking 10, 11, 12, and then 13, 14, I, then we should start, you know, giving them realistic expectations especially because then you have things like all-star baseball right you know with the 12 year old well, I think it's also and, hard because uh, sometimes you get kids that have never played before and then you have to deal with that whole situation you know that's a whole nother can of worms um and that happens a lot right. even in high school sports you get that and you know freshmen that have never played or even touched a weight in their lives um so that's what i have to deal with for the most part and uh you know it's tough it's tough because it's a whole different set of things you have to go through and you know there's all the other people ahead of them and you kind of have to take a step back and and realize that not everyone's going to be at the same level all the time so right it's like i wrestled in middle school the one year i went and then i wrestled freshman year of high school and then after that um a couple of my friends or a couple of guys who were in my friend's circle they wrestled starting in their sophomore year of high school and they had never wrestled prior mm-hmm. to then and i find that's an, such an odd time to start a yeah, sport and the same absolutely. thing happened with uh baseball when i was a freshman in high school on the baseball team or even in eighth grade on the baseball team there were people that i never played rec baseball with and i was like this is their first time playing baseball it, what are they doing? <laughs> I, like this is a competitive team. This is a school team. This isn't a. This isn't yeah. a, you know. Hold your hand. Yeah. We're trying to win here. So, um, I'm gonna wrap it up there because I have to start training my groups that are coming in. Um, so once again, my friend, thank you for coming on the show. This will not be the only time that you hear Alex on the show. Most likely, um, we're gonna start doing some stuff together a little bit more. Um, we might actually start our own thing Possibly at some point. A sports so, podcast. So yeah, keep a lookout for that. I will, uh, you know, let people know when that starts happening. Um, so if you can, please, you know, let me know what you guys thought of this one because um, it's the first time having somebody else on the show. Hopefully, it came across pretty good. I thought it was all right. Uh, I don't know about you, my friend, but um, again, thank you, man, and I will uh, talk to you later. 
All right, thank you for All having right, man, me. All right, man, see you later. Have a good one. So just to finish up this podcast, again, guys, please let me know your thoughts about how you thought the uh, the podcast for this week went. I know it was a little bit different, obviously, having somebody else on, but if you could, please leave a comment, uh, you know, either on SoundCloud or give me a review on iTunes. That will help a lot uh, and will also help me determine what you guys want to hear. So if you want to shoot me an email about maybe, maybe some topics you want me to cover or some questions that you have, my email is, uh, you know, it's always in the description on my profiles and everything else, but it is nmaruka49 at gmail.com. And you can also check me out on Instagram. The username is the same, nmaruka49. Um, those are my primary social media things. And, uh, yeah, thanks, guys, for listening, as always, and I'll talk to you guys next week.